Good evening, all of you Sunday night survivors, to those of you that are right now on your way back to the big bad city to begin a week of you know, pounding your veal chops on an anvil of career. Here we are, up here in the Catskills, broadcasting to you, to your ears, from, from our lips, wishing you the time of life when you can, like us, be up here full-time and having happy memories of the commute that you never have to do again. I'm that person. I will never have to do that commute again. I did it for almost 30 years. And on the occasion that I do go back to the city, I have these sort of post-traumatic shock memories of that commute. Just, it was wonderful and it was awful and it's necessary. And for those of you that are listening in right now doing that, stay the course, keep a good, solid uh, idea that the day will come when you, like us, can be up here integrated, content, and finding finally your purpose in life, which is basically like all of the cows that live up here, to just find a meadow, feel the low pressure, get down and chew your cut. It's kind of like the Catskill way. Um, Tonight we have somebody who is in the process of becoming that sort of cud-chewing, Catskillian, hot-blooded mammal. Her name is Monica. <laughs> and she, and she thank, thank goodness, has a sense of humor. Uh, because if you call most women a cow, they, 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 are not, they don't take kindly to that at all. Uh, we're um, going to have to talk about this later. And uh, I know that by the time this is over, you're going to be calling me things, too. And that's probably uh, in, in the way that, that you are. We, I had, with Monica, who evidently has been stalking me for several years mm. on the social media, uh, and a conversation before the show that made me ask her this question, how easy it is it for people to fall in love with you? She, she has, Monica has a, a, a story that is her life that comes out of her like a song. It's just this natural way of her, I think, inviting anybody, evidently, because I'm a stranger, kind of, into her to feel comfortable and to test where the joy is. And, and in this, like, 20 minutes we had together, I kind of felt like I had just come out of one of those Irish spring soap commercials, feeling fresh and minty and excited. <laughs> <laughs> Life is once again hopeful. Wow! Good work, Monica. I, do most people this have that experience? Borderline with you? inappropriate. <laughs> but I, I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, welcome to the tickler. Yeah, welcome. Tonight we're using what kind of feathers are are those in the vase that we're going to tickle each other with? Oh my God! Peacock uh, feathers? No. How about like um, uh, how about uh, you know, something sharp. So uh-huh. Sharp and scratchy. Quills. Quills. Yeah, the, the other the side. Business of the business. <laughs> we're going to poke each other with the quills and write. We're going to tattoo each other. Do you have tattoos? I have none, and I never will. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you've thought that through. I have. Do you have friends with tattoos? I do. I do. Yeah. Do you hold? Do you hold them in judgment? No. No. I open my heart to them. 
because mm-hmm. when you say, and I never will, mm-hmm. you, it's like bringing the hammer down on the idea that it's, it's not a good thing. Oh, it's not a judgment. I just, I can't imagine having a thing on my body until, you know, the last breath. Wait till you get a few ticks. Yeah. No. <clears throat> I, I, it's, I'm too changeable. I would hate it the next day. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so where do we begin? What's the beginning for us? Shall we, shall we, like, do this? That the world was created, the creation myth of the world was that uh, in, in the vast darkness, the, sort of the Genesis story of the world, there was out of the void not light but a harmonic. There was a, a, a tone, a, a pure a pure sea, if you will, that, that just started to vibrate. And the vibration then attracted another vibration and another, and and then variations happened because because uh, that is just the way song begins, mm-hmm. and 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 so with that the there was an a, an emotional equivalent called joy, mm-hmm. and out of that joy all of the incredible diversity like rock paper scissor that kind of diversity mm-hmm. came out. Do you, do you ever think about how song mm-hmm. really was the primary generator of everything? And, and why, why is song and the performance of it and the singing of it something that is not taught at, at every level of the mm-hmm. human experience in school, at home, in church? Mm-hmm. Well, why, why isn't song? Well, it is. I think it is in some places, maybe not in our culture right now. I, actually, that's what attracted me to to Irish or, uh, ballad, like Shano singing, um, because I, f- I felt like when I would go to certain places, especially in Ireland, people singing was not a thing that some people did and other people didn't do. Like you have a you know a talent for it. It was just a thing that humans do. Um, that's, you know, that doesn't happen up here. It comes out of breath, just breath. I know, it doesn't. It's, people and just, I think that's what I'm talking yeah. about, why it should, because we are wired for that. It's, and, bre- it's just breathing, and then you put sound on it. Yeah. And you can say in your breath, I want a Tootsie Pop, and, and I want it followed up with a glass of champagne. You can say that. And it sounds kind of stupid. That is the thing you can say. But then if you sing it, if you sing it Mm. with the right sort of Mm. pattern and tonality, it takes on a meaning Mm -hmm. that is... Could you do that for us? Sing. Well, I I want a Tootsie Pop followed by a glass of champagne. But put it in an Irish sort Mm. of patois that would (laughs) then make you go, wow. Mm, I want a Tootsie Pop followed by a glass of champagne. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so there you go. And what you did with that was (laughs) you started by setting expectations low, a Tootsie Pop. So what? I want a Tootsie Pop. And it was kind of that sort of uh, uh, Gregorian Mm. beginning. And Mm. then you lifted it, Mm -hmm. followed by a glass of champagne. And the glass. Yeah. Spent some time with that. And so song took a stupid 
thing, granted, mm -hmm. and turn it into something we could probably talk about as a, as a philosophical way that some people live or look at the world. Mm -hmm. Song does that. Mm -hmm. And there's... And, it's fascinating when you read just lyrics without the accompaniment, mm. how, how, how flat and stupid, particularly if you read blues songs. <laughs> you know, I, I went down to 8th Street and mm. I got me a bottle of wine, mm. you know. Uh, the story goes, it's all about my Sue. You know, there's just, there's nothing there really. But then you put the, put it to song and there's the, there is suddenly a, a whole world of emotion, color, mm -hmm. experience mm -hmm. that you're let in on, that mm -hmm. it becomes intimate. Mm -hmm. And the intimacy is, I think, what song does to a word. Mm -hmm. it, well, it takes it out of, like, linear linear time or, like, discursive thought or, like, trying to mm -hmm. convey facts. Yeah. Right? It's, I love the way that you put that. When you take something out of linear time it is a, becomes a separate reality. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, if you will, transcendental and druggy without the drugs. Isn't that true? It specialized in, in druggy without the and, drugs, yeah. But don't, isn't that why we should all just be breathing song? It, it would keep, steer us away from crack it would. cocaine? It would. I actually think it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's exactly the key to not... Um, to doing druggy drugs without the drugs, yeah. yeah. To feeling, to to, to tapping into something, yeah. Um, that would make everyone feel better. Yeah, <laughs> not for all of you people that are doing crack cocaine, you know, to stop you from it or, or stop using it for whatever reasons that you need to do it. We're not we're not promoting a drug free world. We're just saying that there's an alternative to doing you know heroin and fentanyl and um, meth. You could just sit back. It's like, cheaper. And it's a, definitely cheaper. Cheaper. And you never know when you get on that road where it's going to take you. You mm. could end up in a Disney studio mm. with the talents that you develop, uh, you know, whistling, humming. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've always found sad in my experience is that the English language, for the most part, is, is monotone as opposed to mm. other languages which are tonal. Mm -hmm. the, the Asian languages mm -hmm. are all tonal, where uh, the, if you spell it, the word M-A is uh, ma. But if you say ma, 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 every one of the ma's has, you know, it's, it's mother, it's horse, it's moon. And so when people talk, they're, they're literally singing, mm. and what you're picking up meaning through mm -hmm. song rather than word through just the, you know, what am I trying to say here? It, I'm really, I'm curious. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say that we should all become Asian and we should sing our, our words rather than just say, saying them. Yeah. We should sing them. It's true. When, you, when I'm traveling and you hear people speak English, it feels very broad and flat and kind of unemotional you see I you agree. know what i was saying you were just trying to give me a little i, I was just there. watching you spin out it yeah. was yeah thank you pleasurable i'm good at that and i will try my hardest to spin faster you are new to the cat skills in having a home here you yeah are, yeah you now are on a street you're not in a deeply rural area no. like some people you're not out in the cloves no. where 
bears and coyotes come knocking at your door for that cup of scotch. No, we, we don't. We don't do bears. No. But uh, you have found in Andes that you are sort of the middle of the Oreo cookie. On on one side you have wine, and the other side you have bread. Very Old Testament, <laughs> and. We were talking about <laughs> patterns that are re- reoccurring in our unconsciously lives. Unconsciously <laughs> or consciously chosen, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and you are, you are chosen to walk the line and, and balance in one hand. You know, it, it really is sort of a, a biblical painting of a, of a lovely young lady um, dressed in appropriate sort of European black clothing mm-hmm. with a beautiful loaf of Wilson bread in one hand. Uh, artisanally and uh, fermentedly appropriate, mm-hmm. and then a Courtney bottle of, mm-hmm. of really good wherever she gets her stuff. Mm-hmm. In the other hand, and somewhere in between the consumption of both of those, your life and your vigors come out of the bread and the wine. It it, it gives you the energy to do what you do there on Main Street and you've got it you figured it out I would I would bet this and I would bet I would bet odds that you line up the 100 people that live on Main Street and not one of them has really thought through the deep why and purpose of being on Main Street being the bread and the wine mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the purpose of life I, I would I would definitely bet that also yeah so it's an opportunity for you with all of mm-hmm. your other talents to be the poster child for why. Right. Why Andes? Why Andes? Well, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a happy place, getting happier all of the time. Mm-hmm. You have, you're an artist, and, and that's how I got to the introduction. Uh, Jane uh, of Hawk and Hive uh, told me, I can't go on your radio show, Steve, because I, I am administering... COVID care, and mm-hmm. but I do have this this relationship, this friend, who is also an artist and is showing successfully, and I show also successfully. I'm not, I show, but I'm not successful, um, at Hawk and Hive, and and she said, this woman has, she's she's just light and she's fun and she knows how to she knows how to talk. You want her. On your radio show. And so it's really through art that mm-hmm. the two of us have found mm-hmm. each other, you know, for an hour. Well, because I've been, I've been seeing your art for many years. Um, well, and your little, uh, not little, but your, your now vast Instagram following. Um, I'm yeah. one of them. And yeah. yeah. So um, through art, we connected, even before you knew it. I, I, find, I find that almost humbling, that, that I have a new friend who has known all of the thousands of posts that that because when you do that you're just you're sitting by yourself and you've produced a piece of art or a thought and you put it up and you send it out into the world and you wonder you know wtf mm-hmm. and there's somebody out there that's like looking at it and that would be you you are you validate me <laughs> thank you so thank i need more of that occasionally and so how do you, you mean get, that this show isn't uh, enough? <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling validated with you. What what do you do to get your validation in your life? What do I do? 
it's um, a really good question. I mean, I, I work as a hospital chaplain um, in Brooklyn, and I feel, especially during COVID, that um, just being a human person in the midst of everything that was happening and has been happening is still happening there um, made me uh, remember, yeah, why I continue to be here and exist and breathe and do things. So um, it takes very little because the need is so huge. Um, So I think that just being there and doing that work is um, a real honor and uh, very humbling and very sobering and makes me remember what's important. So that's a form of validation, I guess, or just being human. That's beautifully said. And there's a lot, there's a lot to explore in that, starting with this. Man's greatest fear is the unknown. And when you're in hospital and you have, a, and, and you're maybe in a palliative situation and the end is, is nigh upon you, the unknown, even, even when you have strong faith, when, when your body is starting to take you to a place it's never been before and, you, and you're afraid, um, that to step in, to be a guide and a counselor in those situations is something that evidently you, you do. You, is that part of what you do there? Yeah, I don't think of it so much as being a guide or a counselor, actually, because I don't really have any new information to offer or any wayfinding to offer. Um, I think I think of it more of just being being present being like a or trying to just be totally present with what's happening and there's something really um simple and kind of healing about that it's not always possible it's really hard to do but on the days that i can do that when you say to be totally present Mm -hmm. describe that Uh, just you know people are especially this year i mean there's just like an enormous amount of suffering and um you know, people, f- there's no time to talk about it. And there's no buddy who, you know, they'll start to talk about it and people will say, oh, well, you know, look at this positive thing or you've been so strong in this way and here's, you know, uh, how things have improved or here's, here's sort of a positive spin on it. There's because people are, you know, f- for obvious reasons, it's hard. So I feel like I try to just um, not change course, not redirect the conversation but just go where they're where they are and be there like yes i hear that i hear what you're saying i hear that and um that that's what i mean just being where they are what's the line between you serving the purpose of being a a psychologist and being then a a spiritual advisor definitely not a psychologist at all i'm not in any way focused on how to help them get like heal or get better or be connected with services or to you know sort of find something in them that from their childhood that helps them understand their state or like there's just no like attempting to do anything in the session or time that I'm talking to them um it's the being present piece that is connected to the to the spiritual piece and and sort of trying to situate what's happening to them in the largest possible context of just being alive. Um, other people are suffering. People have suffered. Um, 
people suffering is part of life, death is part of life. Um, and so there's a part of that that to me is the religious component. And they may use terminology that is religious in a traditional way, or they may not. And whatever language they use, I go, I use that, that language to speak to them. I'm interested in the being aware part of your practice. And in being aware, it, I've always found that to be the operative measure of prayer. Of mm-hmm. Prayer is mm-hmm. when you are at, when you are critically aware and focused, uh, and and generally, if mm-hmm. that is done with good intention, it takes on the form of prayer. There's a there's an, uh, the the idea I suppose of a focused idea that is um, holy made holy because of your intent, mm-hmm. and but it takes a lot out of you. I mean. Per, uh, Yes, it does. But it also, you're also, the more you're able to go there, the more you're, I don't know, connecting in with some universal circuit, right? So then energy is coming through you as well as going out of you, right? So I feel replenished and uh, energized at the same time. Yeah, sometimes I'll come back from a 24-hour shift and I'm just like, uh, catatonic. Just no, happen. wait. Twenty-four. Do you do twenty-four-hour shifts? I do once a week. Yeah. You must have been a great student to student? be able to do twenty-four oh, hours at a time. No, no, cra- It's like a form of cramming. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually it's really be- it is like an extended meditation. It really is. <clears throat> do you ever sing in your time yeah. with people? COVID made that really hard, and it's crazy because my first yeah. when I first started training to be a chaplain before COVID, I sang all the time because so many of the songs from the Irish and Appalachian and tradition are they're about death, right? Um, and so and people I feel like can hear even when they can't do anything else they can still hear. With COVID it's been hard. Sometimes even though I'm not allowed to, I do still sing uh, when I'm with patients who are dying. Um, You're not allowed? Because breath, you know, oh, it's course. a super spreader event, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's supposedly. Yeah. Oh my goodness! But now that you know, with the vaccinations and and yeah. if someone's dying, it's not like I need to worry that I'm gonna, yeah, yeah infect them. <laughs> there's there's another uh, gentleman you, you might know, but he he lives in in our area. His name's uh, Julian Flesher, mm-hmm. and his dad was Leon Flesher, the famous pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, but Julian's a performer. And last week he was on the show and with his guitar, mm. and he he talked to the same situation that you're talking really? to that that his life and his def- self definition and his joy of singing and performing, because it's a super spreader event. He's he, yeah. you know people around each other and him breathing mm-hmm. uh, has stopped his mm-hmm. life for a year, and and changed him radically. In the way that for all of us that had to stop and rethink what we were doing and why and mm. what might what might be lasting change from it, but the you know, the, the idea that you have developed a set of tools in your awareness and and the tool the the sort of Batman belt that you have of. Uh, of instruments, the uh, the singing, the the compassion of just listening, uh, the 
the empathy of just being has had did that change radically in this COVID time or were you able to continue to give your service without it being instrumentally different because no, of I mean COVID? it's hard when I mean wearing when you're trying to be present for someone who's in a kind of weirdly mechanistic medical environment <clears throat> and you have a mask and then a double mask and then a shield over your face and then a huge blue like I, at the very beginning during the worst of it I mean you know I had like 14 layers of clothes on so trying to connect emotionally that was the hardest part yeah that's pretty uncanny. yeah um I've gotten better at that and now with vaccinations like you know we don't have to wear as many layers unless we're with COVID patients um but uh yeah, that was the hardest part. But, you know, drawing, actually, I can still do. A lot of the pieces that I do are very meditative and repetitive, and they lend themselves well. So I have a little book that I carry with me, and when I'm with patients who can't really speak or I just want to sit vigil with them, sometimes I'll draw. Um, and it's kind of a form of meditation. A lot of the work that I do is... How does that, that How does that look with the patient when you draw? Like I'll just um, sit down um, at a chair in a chair near the bed, and I'll talk to them. And then while I'm talking to them, a lot of them are intubated, right? So they can't speak back to me. So it kind of becomes a weird one-sided conversation with a lot of pauses. So in the pauses, so I don't feel it helps me sort of sink into the silence and not feel like I have to like do anything. And uh, if I'm, I guess it's like if you were sewing or knitting. It gives you a thing. So I'll open my book and then just start making these marks in it while I'm just, uh, I think it just helps me connect into what, you know, what's happening. And I don't feel like, oh, I have to rush out and, or this is weird, or it helps me sit there and be there. Are you talking to yourself when you are in that situation? No. I mean, I'll speak a bit. Um, it depends on how, how conscious the person is if I feel like they're really taking in what I'm saying then I'll say more if I if I feel like it's more like important that I'm just present like if they're dying for example a lot of times COVID patients or patients can't no one can come visit them so I'll just sit so that's sometimes hours right of sitting and uh and so then I feel like having some like like a thing I can do um is helpful yeah. So then I'm not speaking in those moments. Yeah. Well, you're being creative, and, and how that's shared yeah. is really something I think that is nothing less than it's what creative, life is all about. But it's not like I'm like creating a thing that I need to really focus on. It, it, it's like repetitive marks, so I'm able to still really be with them. Like I'm, uh, my focus is on being connected to the person or sort of being in the room with them. If I were that person in the bed and you were sitting beside me and I had tubes like running through and I couldn't talk and mm. just my eyes were like there and you were sitting there with a pad and you were making little hash marks on a mm. piece of paper and, and you were droning on and on about you know what you cook for breakfast or whatever you talk yeah. about I would be I would like be looking at that page to see where you were going with it you would while you're hooked oh, up to uh, a I would abs- dying? Really? It would be the only thing that I would be <laughs> worth living for is to see if it if you turned it into a, a naked person or a bird uh-huh. or if you turned it into a, some kind of a story or a landscape. Or- yeah. 
I don't think people are thinking about that. You right don't? Then. They're not thinking about that. No, they're just, you know, at that, I think that's one of those moments where you're just, uh, yeah. I mean, the moments I'm, I'm thinking of right now, I don't think anyone's thinking about what oh, they're just gorgeous right piece the, that I'm creating. They're right on the edge of the <laughs> They're beyond. just, they're, yeah. yeah, they're in that, that in-between place. Yeah. Yeah, my my father, when he was into his last period of life, was it was such a great experience for me to be with him. And he huh. he uh, his his religious counselor, this were Presbyterian, mm. this lovely lady, um, just lovely lady, who um, who had been with him for you know years and years in the in the church. And my father made the confession, you know. I, the only thing I really like about Christianity is the wine. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and I've, I would hope, because I, I think that our parents, and certainly if we're close enough to other people to be around them in their lives and, and, and in their death, they teach us how to live and how to die. It's very important. And to go with the knowledge that it's inevitable and that it's not going to be easy and it will be strange you're going into a vast unknown to have a sense of humor <laughs> is is really what my, my father went out with a great sense of humor is his last words and this was like an hour before he passed and he had been sort of in a comatose state for quite a while mm. but my sister was on one side of him and i was on the other and we were at home, and, and she was rubbing his hands, and, and, and she said, oh, your hands are always so beautiful. And your, your wife, Gogo, she, she just thought that your hands were so strong and lovely. And <clears throat> this smile, my father was a big man. He had this famous smile, and the smile came out, and he said, don't try to distract me with your humor and your charm from what's going on here. Oh, my God. And then he went back into his place and, and, and soon after passed. But oh, I love he that had, so much. I mean, it was classic Robert Abernett. How long, how long ago was that? That's three years ago. Oh, that's uh, really recent. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but it was remarkable to see a, a father, another mm. human, who went into that situation absolutely aware. And, and while, you know, that last period, which you're very familiar with, you know, we were we were making him as comfortable as possible, and and the the morphine on the Q-tip mm-hmm. and the lips and all of that just mm-hmm. to calm him down. Um, but he was there, and he was aware, mm-hmm. and so I think that what you have the privilege of mm-hmm. doing is is never discounting the fact that there's a spirit in there getting mm-hmm. ready to make a leap mm-hmm. that you might be facilitating. Uh, you know, the the jump with. So many people would dream about that kind of a death that you experienced with your dad. Like, and yeah. unfortunately, because of, you know, uh, racial disparities and inequity in healthcare and broken healthcare systems and COVID and so many things, um, you know, that's not, that's not the reality yeah. for many. Yeah. Um, so I try to approximate as much as I can fill in the gaps to have that. But to have that moment where you yeah are surrounded by people who love you and yeah you're able to still speak and all of that that's incredible gift that it you is. had that's amazing um how long have you been at the hospital um i've been there since this is a, a sort of a 
last part of my training. So mm-hmm. um, I, it's this is a year long residency program, and I started. I'm seven months into this residency. I've done other. I went to seminary and then did a uh, like an initial uh, nine month period at Columbia Hospital, and, and then this is a year long program that I'm halfway through. Yeah. And you told me that from a very early age, you knew you had a gift for this, that it was a calling. I wouldn't say, it's not really a gift, I thought of it. I just was, I think I was really drawn, I kept saying, like, what's the most, you know how you are when you're 13, you're like, you want to have, like, the real conversations and deep, (laughs) that's how I was. You yeah. know, and so I always wanted, like, what's the the deeper, realer thing? And so, obviously, that takes you straight to religion. Um, yeah. Uh, and so that's where I think a lot of what I was interested in, it seemed like I was interested in, like you, I was, I'm like a, the <laughs> ultimate dilettante. Yeah. Um, and it seems like all these things are unrelated. But, but as I've grown older, uh, much older... The underlying, um, unifying, whatever, it, you know, that's that's that. It all, it goes back to that initial. What's the realist thing, um, and that's the underlying piece to all of this. One of the techniques of aging that has been taught to me is that when I feel lost and when I feel like the uh, purpose and center of my life is going away is to close my eyes and walk back to that person that I was at, at 13 mm-hmm. when, when all of that goodness and mm-hmm. all of that, that extraordinary hope and imagination was coming alive and say hi to that person again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was that 13-year-old. But instead of going to religion, I went to, and I still have it, this big fat book called Familiar Quotations, mm-hmm. which was all the wisdom of the world. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody was in it. And they all had the snappy one-liners, right. you know. It was, And I would go through that book and, you know. Um, it was your scriptures, your sacred Better to have dared and failed than never to have dared at all, Teddy right, Roosevelt, right. that kind of stuff. Right. And. And the other thing I did was I kept a radio under my pillow, and I would listen to comedians all night long. Uh, but religion was uh, was not; uh, it wasn't around me enough to. Mm. to it, it could have uh, drawn me mm-hmm. probably, because there's the wisdom, and there and there is the the pageantry, and the, and there's the the um, something that I think that we yearn for and 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 don't get. And particularly now coming out of COVID, without even realizing it, all of us are looking for those events that are structured and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and there was a party in Bovina last night saying goodbye to one of our local people that was an example of mm-hmm. how much is people, that connective tissue of being together with a, a purpose and a goal, but to let all of the little bits fill in through just the kismet and, and energy and genuflection of a, a group of people together making the hum. And, you know, Monica, it has been a long time I've heard that background hum, but you'd, which you'd hear in a restaurant mm-hmm. or you would hear when you had a hundred of your friends together. Right. And that hum was that harmonic. Mm-hmm. And I realized that 
this is what we've lost this year. And when yeah. we come back into it, it's going to be something that people will weep over because it is just such a lovely, uh, in-your-bone type of yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's totally what I was talking about in the hospital, just trying to bring that moment of connection, and especially now because we've all been deprived of it. Um, yeah, I mean, we have friends here with us this weekend, and just that first moment of hugging each other <laughs> the first time, yeah. and, you know, it's, um, I mean, I, obviously, I work around people more than most people have been around people. I work around them, but even still, there's a different quality to it. And so, yeah, you really see how the connection is everything. Yeah. The, the hum. In the, in, in the years of work that you've done, have you come up with a, a system where you are in a situation with a patient where you go through a process of mm-hmm. getting them to a point that you want them to be at? Is is there a method to your madness? And, you know, and, honestly, I don't think of it as a method. I mean, it's kind of the same. Like if I go into my studio, I mean, I... Um, I also, you know, I, I studied, I did a lot of theater also, like trying to create a space of uh, where people can sort of blur their mind a little bit and uh, not, not, uh, you know, in the hospital, everyone's asking you, how are you? And they get into like, well, this is happening and this is happening. It's all very factual. So I think the common denominator in my artwork and the music or theater stuff that I've done is I'm really drawn to that that like you're saying that where it kind of devolves or evolves into the hum right it just kind of um it's not so much about parsing individual thoughts and so i think the only way to ever do that is just to be present and to listen right and some days i have too much of my own noise in my head so i can't do that so well so that's really the if i start to think here's a, a way in which i do this and i follow the same pattern every time it will fail because every person is so different. Every situation is so different. As an artist, when you sit in front of a blank piece of paper, do you go to the paper with an idea or no. do you go to the paper with a blank, a tabula totally rasa brain, and you just make a line and then it starts? Right. That's that's the way in which it's oh. a complete mirror of what I do. Yeah. Where That's the way I work, yeah. too. Yeah. I yeah. can tell that about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you share that, you're inviting somebody into a, an extremely mm-hmm. real and very intimate place. Yeah. It's, and it's not perfect. It, it, and not everybody can share that it's with you. Definitely, sometimes I, it's just like making anything or singing it. You know, you're just like, well, that that happened you know (laughs) i'll walk out of a room and i'm like wow that was so wow (laughs) i just was so not helpful right then um but yeah and and also there's no way to really measure what's good or not good it's the same thing in art like what i don't know did i just what it's like it doesn't apply you just do a thing and you put it out there and it's like improv. When I go into a, a room, I'm just like, I have no idea what's about to happen. And I don't even, I have no method. I have no technique. I'm just going to try to, like, clear out my emotional stuff and, like, be in the room. That's it. You can't, that method, if you will, has, you can't put words on it like a lot of people would be terrified walking into a room that's a blank slate with somebody who is in that condition because it 
to to fail or to try to connect and not know what might come back mm-hmm. for, for a lot of people would be terrifying it, emotionally there are all sorts of uh, personal issues and then objective things that yeah. could go on that would be gross or it's actually the most freeing thing though it's the, it's like it's it's actually i think you would have to do it a couple times to see that then really you if you have any idea of what you're supposed to be doing you should let it go so in a way then it's so freeing you're you're stripped down to like you know just yeah to, yeah i don't know just responding and how did you learn that how did i learn that yeah <laughs> well and i say because in a western culture you know, yeah. we're trained to be the captain of our fates and the master of our souls. And through the yeah. force of our will, we will create our destiny, blah, 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 blah. But what mean- you're talking about is a very Eastern way of being. Yeah. And- I mean, well, actually, spiritual practice. I mean, that's why I think spiritual practices are important, right? Whatever form they end up taking, they are ways of, you know, religion, relig, reconnect. To, you're reconnecting to something really basic. And you have to practice it. And if you don't practice, you know, and you suck at it often and then you re-reconnect, right? So I I think it's just practicing. It's just practice. I don't know. know. So I don't know where I learned. People, amazing people I've known that when you're in a room with someone who is really present and really listening, you feel what that feels like. And, you know, you want to be a part of that. I guess it's, I've learned from amazing people beautiful humans yeah yeah Yeah. tell me about this experience that i assume you have when you finish a piece of art Mm -hmm. or you 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 finish a consultation and you walk out and you look at what you've done or you review it and you can't take responsibility for it it's something so magnificent and odd and beautiful that you just wonder, am, am I just a vehicle that something passed through? Do you, what's that all about? Because that, that for me, again, is um, all of this sort of talk is a form of uh, self-confession because I, I really don't know how, how else to look at the world except through my own narcissistic, myopic way <laughs> of being. But there is so often I, I get done with something and I look at it and it's it seems to be so beyond my own abilities mm. or thoughts of what mm. I was capable of, and, and, and particularly in, in the art area. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes in the miracle of farming too, you look at what, mm. what's been done and you go, Bigger than I, you. I yeah. just can't imagine that I was, was my hand was responsible. Actually, for that's a great parallel farming, because you're just one piece in this incredible cycle, and all these different factors that play are at play yeah. that are bigger than you could ever yeah. fully yeah. crack. It, it, farming is an easy thing yeah. to throw that at, but mm-hmm. a blank piece of paper is a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Where all of those moving parts, the 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 mystery and the magic and the and the, the act of creation happens mm-hmm. on a piece of paper, and that I think if 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 and when I do lead myself to the evidence of a greater being, mm-hmm. where we are created in the Creator's image, mm-hmm. who, that we are capable of creating, that is evidence that mm-hmm. something going on something is going on here that is quite remarkable yeah i you know i like i said i'm not i don't i'm not really a 
I'm not an atheist, but I'm not a theist in the sense that I don't think of a, I don't think of God as like a being, a being that's anthropomorphic and can like hear. And, yeah. But I definitely think of like, you know, being a part of a larger system, intelligent, creative system uh, that is being, not a being, you know, and and being and the more I'm able to connect again, reconnect to that, the more it flows through me. So in that way, I guess I'm, you know, something's coming through me, but it's not like a being is speaking through me, you know. It's not so much that way. It's more like just connecting into the hum, like you were saying. It's yeah. like you just become a part of it. And then when you feel that flow, you know it. You know, you're... Yeah. You know it. Yeah. And so now that I've known you so well and for so long, <laughs> I'm going to pretend that I am one of those really deep-seated government officials mm -hmm. that is attached to both DARPA, which is the uh, division of the military that, it, that looks towards inventing new devices to make things happen, and NASA. And I'm that person. And we have just discovered on Mars uh, not just life, but intelligence in life. And it's my job to go about finding the person that's going to go up there and communicate with the alien. I would put you there. Oh, really? I, you would be, from all the people I've known, and I've known a lot of people in my life, you would, you strike me as the person that could go up against an, an intelligence that is not to be understood in the human way, but you could connect to and by spending some time there, you could begin to, to get some type of a thing going. Uh-huh. Don't get you a, think get you, a thing you, going you could probably with an alien? I'm, I'm that person. Am I wrong here? I, know. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you, you know, I, you can't, do I can't prove your hypothesis. I don't yeah, know. but you're, you sit down with semi-dead creatures and you communicate true, with them. True, but I don't know. Are aliens um, the equivalent? I, it's hard to say. It's hard to say mm. what it would be like mm. to... I mean, there have been some movies about that of uh, aliens and containers and trying to figure mm. out a, a joint conversation. But I think that if there was life, that the communication would have to probably happen in a nonverbal way. Mm -hmm. And it'd have to happen um, maybe in song. Mm. I mean, that was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Da, 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 that that uh, tr sort of like little thing Good there. Point. But I, I would think that if we were to touch another species, and if my thought of a, of a universal creation myth of harmonics would happen that to begin the conversation with, with just a song mm. would probably be appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. What, yeah. Is, is there in your study of Irish and Appalachian song, um, a tune that would strike you as being like a basic, grounding, shared set of tones. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a tradition of like um, taking verses from the Bible and um, in Appalachian, old Appalachian singing and setting them to kind of modally, like minor, um, 
droney things. That's probably what I would pick to communicate with the alien. Could you give us one yeah. phrase of that right now? Hmm. Let's see. There's uh, there's a song. Uh, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Here, I'll I'll, I'll sing you a piece of it. Maybe this will be a good. Pretend you're aliens. Okay. And, and pretend you're, you're an alien. No, I'm talking to our audience right now. Oh. <laughs> pretend you're <laughs> pretend you're an alien on Mars, and this person has been sent to communicate from Earth, and this is what the first communication <laughs> is. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Yeah, okay, but you they can can't do it. speak English, so it doesn't matter. NASA. <laughs> All right. And DARPA believe mm. in you. God, God, how about that? Mm, guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this But thou art mighty, guide me with thy powerful hand. Mm. So I think I made the right choice in sending you to Mars to <laughs> communicate with aliens with that first communication. And I know it was right because the president of the United States just absolutely doubled my salary and gave me some benefits that will serve me for the rest of my life for making such a good decision, which is the American way of recognizing greatness. Money. Um, so are you going to pass and your, that to your me? Your humility <laughs> and, and your, your sort of universal way of communicating serve my uh, – my nefarious ways very uh -huh. well thank you so wait so i sang and the president gave you money like is that well how yeah this works? i made the decision to send the appropriate person up to meet a new life form and it worked so so, and so do, i get, do I get a kickback you know you you would have to come just, and talk you would have to make it back to earth and the plan might be that you just stay up there in a cage and the, and the Martian Zoo and sing, so, and sing for your lunch for the rest of your so life. There's so many things wrong with this. I don't know where to start. It, it, you know, it, it is um, – uh -huh. that's what, you know, creation is all about. It's not – it's messy, isn't it? It, it, right? it is messy where, a, where this, a, the woman singing to the aliens gets put in a cage and the guy who sent her gets money gets from the president. Gets rewarded for yeah. it. Yeah. It is so messed up uh, and – you know, when when we put this on the podcast and we can really think it through like a work of art that you've left alone for a while and you come back to it and you decide to crumple it up and throw it out uh, or share it with all of your friends. And uh, yeah. The tickler is a very strange place, particularly instead of using peacock feathers, we're using quills, little little points. Um, we're, we're sort of – it goes by quickly, doesn't it, an hour Oh, does it? Is it? Is it's it over? just almost. It's oh just gosh. almost over. Good thing I only sang the first because uh, minutes the of captain's that song. coming <laughs> in, uh, and and the captain does three hours of de the dead. Oh, which wow. is appropriate. Well, you can't do less than exactly. five minutes of the dead. Yeah, it's like one song. Gets you going, and so Monica, um, after. 
after you looking at my post for several years and me spending the last hour and a half with you, mm-hmm. I'm having one of those kismity feelings that I've met, a, you know, and to be botanic, botanic uh, about it, a, a kindred spirit, mm-hmm. but to be a little bit uh, more real about it. I've met, I've met my maker and, and I've met somebody that is able to put a mark down that is true. Mm. Uh, and, and you seem to just be that person whose aim is that it's mm-hmm. just true mm-hmm. and you can't help it. It's just the way you're wired and between the bread and the wine, you know, you carry on with the song and the music and the kind words uh, and the hands on people that need it. I would wish you on everybody, but you're only one person. But now you are living up here in the mountains with us, and you are evidence of all of the good things that are coming on Mm. in in these mountains. And I, for all of the things that you are doing that I despise, particularly in, 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 like, driving up the real estate values of things and uh, increasing our taxes, Mm -hmm. the fact that... You and and your people, whoever they are, the thousands that are coming up here and finding that the beauty is compelling them and the bread and the wine also, uh, um, is wonderful. There's, mm. There is this, I think, new invention shaped by people's heart happening up here, which is quite remarkable. The silver yeah. lining, I hope. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Well, I have a genuine love of this area, of this place. I've been coming here a while and really... Yeah, hope that I can bring something good to it. You have one responsibility in bringing people to it, and that is to bring more people like you <laughs> along. Well, that is the plan. And I, I do understand that you have hundreds of friends, <laughs> which... You're the one that went to a party with hundreds of people. <laughs> well, they're not my friends. <laughs> oh. I, was, I was just wandering in the dark with my own bottle of booze, wondering... <laughs> why, once again, I'm the oldest person in the, in the, in the party. Yeah. So, do you have any do you have any words of wisdom for us, or do you for us a, or for you? For, for the audience, you know, all of the words thousands of, of people listening yeah. to the tickler. I have, I literally have no words of wisdom. They don't exist. <sighs> it was nice to be present with you, yeah. and for them to be to take an hour of their time to to be present yeah. with us. Well, those are good. Yeah. I've got uh, some words of wisdom for all of you, with uh, Monica Mills. Go to Hawk and Hive. <laughs> on Main Street in Andes. And in the back room, the wild room, you'll find an entire wall of her art. (laughs) Go there, drop to your knees, witness it, and then buy several of them uh, immediately. And and then write me notes about how your life has changed for the positive because of what I've just told you to do. Thank you very much. Thank you. what a joy. You've, you've put a joy on my eyes and in my heart. And I look forward to spending a lot of evenings this summer with you mm. and um, Katrina. Katrina, my wife. Yeah. Yeah, with Katrina. Mm-hmm. I love that name. <laughs> and it's so exotic. And yeah. so we will just carry on, won't we? We will. We'll carry on.